She's alive. Alive! What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Ghoul Gang. Woo! I'm Ellie. And I'm Grace. And uh, today, we're going to talk about some spooky shit. Some unsolved spooky shit. And I just have to say, my mom told me <laughs> that we need to introduce ourselves a little more. Oh. So, I'm, I'm Grace, okay. and this is Ellie, and we live in Chicago. Uh, we are sisters-in-law, so I am married to her brother. Yep. Um, we both live in the city. I have a two-year-old daughter named Harper, light of my life. Husband, Ellie has a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to sound like a dick. Um, Ellie has nothing. <laughs> Ellie has hobbies. And, uh, uh, I'm, I have uh, children of my own. Oh, yeah. She's a teacher. Yeah. So that's great for her. <laughs> good, um, good for you. Yeah. I work in tech. And is that good enough, Mom? What do you think, Mom? Yeah. Hmm? I think that's good. She was like, I just want to know more about you. Well, and I was like, you know everything about me. And she's like, no, but as like a listener. And you're my like, mom, mom. Yeah, so there you go, mom. You're welcome. Yeah, um, my mom's not going to listen because she doesn't like it when I swear. <laughs> Fuck. My well. mom started swearing a lot more lately, which well, is great. It's So has my mom. She's also been drinking a lot of wine. Mm, a lot of wine for your mom is like two of those little Sutter House bottles. <laughs> I remember one night we were playing Cards Against Humanity with oh Ellie's family. And Nina had more than two bottles of Sutter House, and we had to cut her off. <laughs> like, she was turning red, and she was dancing. She wouldn't stop like, getting up and walking around the yeah, house. and she was just pacing. As and, if she had something to do. And Steve, Ellie's dad, was like, Nina, it's time to shut it Who down. wants cake? Who wants cake? Hey, hey, are your shoes clean? Do you have laundry? We have extra asparagus. Does anyone want asparagus? <laughs> Oh, I love her so much. I know. She's love you, Nina, if you ever listen to this. Oh, You're bless. an angel from heaven. She is an angel from heaven. All right, so today the theme is unsolved mysteries. You know, like what you used to watch when you were home sick from school, right? <laughs> I used to watch that shit all the time. Oh, my God. I remember... I'm fucking... Why are you laughing at me? Because I'm just... Picturing you as a very small child watching Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, my God. And I can just picture just it. Just wrapped up in a blanket, seven years old, home with a fake fever, <laughs> watching Unsolved Mysteries and already picturing my perfect suburban home getting broken into Your by un- a murderer. untimely death at yeah. seven years old. Oh, it's already... Well, yeah. Yeah. Riddled with anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I used to watch The Price is Right, and I feel like... Not as good. Not as good. No. Not as character building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. better at problem solving. Yeah. In a certain way. Yeah, and I also See, knew... but I would be better at, like, getting out of a locked car. Yes. You would know how to do that, but I would know that I needed to make sure my pets were spayed and neutered. 
What? Bob Barker. Ew. Every day at the end of Price is Right, he'd be like, don't forget to have your pets spayed or neutered. And I was like, what does that mean? And Ew. Is that, is that a fact? Those of you listening, feel free to punch Grace in the fucking face next time you see her. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing I've ever yes. heard. Yes. Okay. No, he like had like a tiny little jelly bean microphone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. He had like a little microphone and he'd be like, don't forget to have your pet spayed or neutered. I'm Bob Barker and I have a crazy ass spray tan. <laughs> Grace, I, Grace didn't believe me, and so I, she fucking YouTubed it and saw him say it. Help control the pet population. Make sure you have your pets sprayed or neutered. Like, but but that's activism. Yeah, way to go, Bob yeah. Barker. That, did you see his spray tan? Oh, uh, I know Bob Barker. I've seen Happy Gilmore. Oh, you sure have. Okay, no, um, no more tangents. It's time for a couple unsolved. Mysteries. Cool. All right. I we should start. insert the theme song there. Okay. Um, I'm going to start out with something that I had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you might have. It's called the Sodder Children Mystery. Yes. So, it's about, um, before I give you, um, I'm taking this off of historicmysteries.com, mm-hmm. just to give a little bit of cred where credit is due. I did a little bit of research on a lot of different websites, but this one seemed to have kind of the most cohesive um, story, but a little bit of background is it's about a family. This happened in 1945, um, and it's about a family whose home caught fire on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. So it was a normal Christmas Eve in 1945 for the Satter family, and they lived in Fayetteville, Fayetteville, I keep Fayetteville, West Virginia, um, and they had 10 kids. Wow. Golly. <laughs> oh, oh, Christ. Her, <laughs> I, I won't go there, but... Um, they were coming out like hotcakes, and there were nine of them still lived there. Um, the oldest son was away in the army. Okay. So nine of their kiddos lived there. Um, all nine of them were enjoying the holidays at home, and their parents' names were George and Jenny. Okay. V cute. Very. Um, okay. So when it was time for the children to go to bed, mm-hmm. five of the children, and I'm going to say their names, Maurice, who was 14, Martha, who was 12, Lewis was 10, Jenny Jr., <laughs> Precious, Feminism, <laughs> beep, beep, um, was 8, and Betty was 6. Um, so these five kids, they asked for special permission to stay up later because it was Christmas Eve, right? Mm-hmm. And they wanted to be waiting for Santa. Oh, so, oh, yeah. But Santa was not coming that night. How do you know? <laughs> um, it's true. He didn't come. Um, so Jenny, the mother, said, yep, you can stay up a little late, but make sure you turn the lights off and close the curtains and lock the front door, which kind of, like, you're going to leave that up to a bunch of, like, kids? Yeah, my mom used to do that. We used to have a light, like a candle light in every front window, and it was my job to turn them on when it got dark and to turn them off when I went to bed. Okay. I guess every I'm just, night. like, thinking from, like, a teacher's point of view, like... Why would I leave child a child in charge of anything? 
Fucking exactly. That's exactly my thought. Like, no. I would never leave any of my students. No, into- kids need to have chores. It's well, we have like class build. jobs, but I'm talking about like locking doors at yeah, night. Yeah, I guess no. it was the 40s, so it was a different time. So then George and Jenny and their four other children they went to bed. Um, later that night, around 12:30 a.m., so in the early hours of the 25th, so it's now Christmas. The phone rang. Hmm. They had a phone. Yes, phones existed in the house. Um, and Jenny, uh, left the first floor bedroom she shared with George and the baby, and she went into the hall to answer the phone. On the other end was a woman that Jenny didn't know on the other end of the phone. So she picked it up. Right. It was a woman she didn't know, and she asked for someone's name that Jenny didn't know. And Jenny okay. was like, no, you have the wrong number. But Jenny was really confused because the woman, she said, she very vividly remembers the woman laughing very bizarrely and then hanging up very quickly, which I'm assuming in, like, 1945, that's probably very rude to hang up, like, very quickly, especially if you, like... Yeah, it's not like when I call you and I'm like, okay, fine, bitch. Bye. (laughs) Love you, bye. Um, So, yeah, so she hung up really quickly. She laughed weird. She said... Um, she felt a little bit strange, uh-huh. but then she just went back to bed. But before she went back to bed, she looked out into the living room and noticed the house was quiet. Uh-huh. The kids weren't, weren't in the living room anymore, the kids uh-huh. who stayed up. All of the lights were still on, the drapes were still open, and the front door was still unlocked. Okay. So she just thought, okay, they'd all forgotten, which... To do, like, their chores. To do their chores. But, like, the oldest one was 14. Yeah. And, like, all five of them forgot? Mm, There's one goody-two-shoes in there, you know. Mom's gonna get mad at Santa's not gonna come. Santa won't come. He'll forget our presents. We'll all get them. Oh, you know it was Maurice. It was absolutely Maurice who was that kid. Baby mama. I'm baby mama. So, okay, so she does it all. She closes everything up and goes back to bed. Then, as she's falling asleep, she hears what sounds like an object landing on the roof, and it rolls down the side. What? I'm not even going to say it. Roof. Roof is spelled with two O's. Roof. I don't need your (laughs) attitude tonight. She heard something. The song says, Ooples and Panoonas. She heard something that sounded like an object landing on the roof, and it rolled down the side of the house. It sounded more like Ruth there. I appreciate that. I did my best. <laughs> so, um, she went, so she went back to bed. So, like, it was, if I heard something smash into my roof and then roll down the side of the house, I wouldn't just go back to bed. But we also live in the era of nothing is safe. Everything's a murderer. Don't trust anything. Get a loud dog. I mean, I get that, but at the same time, no, they like, wouldn't have. They wouldn't have thought anything of it. It was nineteen forty-five. It's Santa. They would have thought, yeah. If anything, I mean, if anything, there was a raccoon on their roof. Yeah, that's it. Know? Could have been an animal or whatever. But anyway, so then about an hour later, after she was asleep, she was woken up by the smell of smoke. Mm. Okay. So timelining this, she goes to bed, woman calls, really weird. Hour later, she hears something on the roof, 
hit it, fall down. Hour later, she's woken up by smoke. Okay. Okay. She shakes George. She wakes him up, and they ran out the door of the bedroom. And by the time they got out of the bedroom, so by the time she had smelled the smoke, it was probably, the fire had probably taken over much of the house. And the entire hallway was filled with smoke. And unfortunately, um, there were flames had engulfed the stairway or the staircase leading up to the other children's bedrooms. Oh, so the five kids, their bedrooms were up upstairs. There. Right. They were right, right, attic right, children. Right, right. <laughs> they were the attic family. They were the attic family. Very pale. Very <laughs> Brahms. <laughs> Brahms. Brahms. Okay. okay. Nobody All right. George and Jenny, um they <laughs> So George and Jenny, this is no laughing matter. George and Jenny shouted up the stairs for everyone to get out of the house as quickly as possible because they couldn't get up the stairs. Oh, God, but, like... <laughs> fucking, I know. That's terrible to say, hey, hey, get down from get there. Down. Get down from there. Like, the there... staircase is engulfed in flames. But get down from there. Get your ass downstairs. Oh, God, but like, that's terrible. There's not another... I'm assuming there wasn't another staircase. So, no, so they had to jump out the upstairs windows of anything. Yeah. Oh, well, here's the thing. So once they got out front, they did a head count of their children because they have so fucking many. Right. And um, they realized that the five kids who stayed up were not outside. Right. So I think when they yelled, I think what they had assumed was that they had gotten out. Okay. Right. Because they didn't hear anything. Because they didn't hear anything. They didn't hear any screaming. They didn't hear them yelling for their mom or dad. Right. Right. And, but and- he tried to get them with his... Yeah, that's he, so we'll get we'll get to that. He he does try to get to them, but but the thing is if their children were on fire, you would hear screaming and Jenny would have been woken up by the sounds of her kids versus smoke. Right. Right? Yeah, they would have been coughing and yelling. And, right. So yeah. I think that they assumed they had gotten out, but once they got outside, they realized they weren't out there. So oh, okay, I get right? it, I got it, I got it. So um, the flames just obviously kept growing, and they blocked George from even getting back into the house in any capacity. So okay. um, he thought the only way to get them out was through their the top window to their bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so he raced around the house, and um, around the house was um, where his ladder always stood, as they do. Mm-hmm. And he realized that the ladder was gone, but George didn't move it. Whoa. Yeah. George didn't move his ladder. So he started panicking and was like, what can I do? So he had two cars parked on the side of the house that he used for work. Mm-hmm. And he thought to himself, okay, I'm going to move one of these trucks. They were trucks. So he's like, I'm going to move one of these trucks and I'm going to move it close to the house so that I can climb on the truck and then get to them that way because the ladder was gone. Right. So he's quick. He's like panicking and thinking really quick because mm-hmm. he's, you know, clearly a smart man. And so he runs to the first truck and it didn't start. And then he runs to the second truck, and it didn't start. No. Yes. So later on, the cops will tell him it was because it was cold, and the en- and his sons had en- flooded the engines. Which okay. Blame the dead kids. Blame the dead kids, right? Fucking hell. So it always gets worse. <laughs> and all they could do was watch the house burn down. So the four kids, I know, so the four kids and Jenny and George literally had to watch the house burn down. And here's the shitty part. Obviously, 
Okay. There's so many it's shitty rare. parts. It's all shitty. Well, it's the 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 shittiest part was obviously you can't bring your telephone outside in 1945. Right. So oh, that's yeah. Ooh, so no. they couldn't call. So the oldest daughter ran to the neighbors and called the fire department, and they didn't answer. They, I can't. They just they didn't answer. And and to be fair, they I did some research into that, and most of the firefighters were overseas fighting in World War Two. Right, and it was Christmas, and it was Christmas Eve. But that's no right. like with the Christmas thing. I get, but that's like that's not an excuse. Right, like there are still fires but, right on Christmas. Exactly. So the fire department didn't answer. So they sat there. It's two thirty in the morning. Oh God. At this point, um, the fire started at one thirty, and and it took less than an hour for the entire house to go up in flames and be ashes. Wow! So, for uh, the fire department showed up at eight a.m. No, at eight fucking a.m. The fire department, the cops, and the coroner. Of the town all show up at 8 a.m. Oh, is this when your shift started today, Bob? <laughs> oh, oh, you yeah. there. Oh, yeah, Tony, I heard there's something going on there on uh, Maple Street. I think we should probably check it out. It sounded pretty urgent. I uh, had the old wife with the ham last night. I couldn't leave. God dang it. I know. So they came and they I did. Know, I love how we gave them Chicago accents. <laughs> They're in West Virginia. <laughs> They probably have like a hillbilly accent, but I don't. I'm think, sorry, I don't think. I don't know if that's right. That's well. To be fair, I don't think we could do justice to a southern accent. Okay, so they get there at eight a.m. and they do like a very, uh, like basically just a complete bullshit investigation of the property, and within minutes, the coroner um, determined that all five kids had quote-unquote undoubtedly perished in the fire and that the fire had been caused by faulty wiring. They barely investigated it. Mm. And he was able to come up with this conclusion like that. And it's like... Real smart. Real, like, it's... First, you just eat your ham. So, <laughs> George and Jenny were obviously not satisfied that with that explanation and they demanded an in-depth investigation. Right. Um, because, first of all... All that shit went wrong. Right. And then, you know, everything was out of place. The phone call, what, you know, what, everything that went wrong. And then on top of it, Jenny was like, that's baloney. Yeah. Because as I watched my goddamn house burn down, the Christmas lights were still on. So it couldn't have been so, an electrical fire. No. Which is what they said Which it was. is what they said. They said it was faulty wiring. And she was like, the lights were still on in my house. As I watched it burn down. As I watched it burn down. Wow. And I, through mm. the rubble, can see appliances, pieces of my furniture, pieces of my children's beds, and, fun fact, nowhere to be found were bones. Right. Oh, so there were zero actual remains found. No remains found. Nothing. Nothing. So they were like, okay, if our kids are burned, where are they? Yeah, even in like crazy, crazy car accidents where cars are ablaze. 
for 10 hours, they still find their teeth. Right. Or something. They didn't find anything. They found right. nothing. They found no bones, nothing, but they found shit from the house. But right. no trace of the children whatsoever. No teeth, nothing. And isn't that like in, like, what's that TV show called that you like? Unsolved Mysteries? No, Making a Murderer. Yes! Uh, when Stephen Avery, or not Stephen Avery, supposedly burned that body in his fire pit, there were still bone fragments and you know whoever was doing that was like really trying to dispose of evidence. Yeah. They were, or were they trying to burn a body? I feel like that always happens. Yeah, yeah they find that them. always happens. Like when someone tries to burn a body, they always find bones. Yes. And that And was, that's when people are deliberately trying to get rid of bodies. The only way to get rid of a body is to grind it up. No, it's to dissolve it in acid. Well, all yeah, or breaking bad. True or feed it. To pigs. To pigs. No, Robert, last podcast on the left, shout out, just did Robert Picton. They're still doing him right now. Oh. I know, and he was the piggy boy. <laughs> the real piggy man. Piggy. I can't. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah. So they demanded the more thorough investigation. They agreed, the, everyone agreed to it, and they sifted through every piece of ash, and there was zero skeletons so obviously they didn't take it as an answer jenny called funeral homes and crematoriums and they basically essentially they told her that they burn bodies at thousands of degrees fahrenheit mm-hmm. there's still shit they still have shit yeah teeth still remain like vertebrae yeah like bone like, fragments and there's still going to be stuff left even if People have deliberately burned you, not like in a freak house fire. Right. And cremations take hours. Oh. Two to three hours. Yikes. Oh, and the house burned down in less than one hour. In less than an hour. So there should have been five skeletons, is what the the funeral directors were saying to her. At least like fragments from five. Fragments. And so it didn't make any sense. And so Jenny went a little like off the rails a little bit and I would too I, uh, absolutely yeah, rightfully five so. kids. I don't know how she oh she, my and, god well you'll I'll tell you later but she ends up like she it's incredible what this woman does mm-hmm. but she starts experimenting with animal bones oh no yeah and like burning them and she's like she's like what happened to your cat Mr. Neighbor <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, about whiskers I took a I took it for myself. For my experiments. <laughs> so that's what she did. And none of them all the way burned. So, okay. Um, it just didn't make sense. So they began... So Jenny and George worked together to collect evidence that pointed away from everything that the authorities were telling them. Um, George ultimately... Like, eventually George ended up um, paving over the house and built a garden... Oh. As a well, you can't really grow a garden on pavement. Well, so they he probably probably tilled, tilled it and cleared it, cleared it, cleared and tilled the land, and, and then put and the garden then put there. the garden there. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you get by in life? Is it really? Oh, and then and then what? Uh, she, she said she did it. She did it. <laughs> All right, so we're getting into the uh, 
like the real guts of the story here, for lack of a better word. Um, okay, so obviously none of it made sense. Jenny and George were putting putting shit together, and they were like, "This isn't cool." And actually, they spent their they dedicated the rest of their lives to trying to find their children. Right here, you go. They came across a bus driver who was driving by that night. What? Yeah, they came across a bus driver. Actually, a bus driver came to them and said. I saw what he described as fireballs being thrown onto the roof of your home. Whoa. So, is that what Jenny heard on the roof? Oh, what? But, but, what? Fireballs? Who knows who this fucking bus driver was, but the point is... Yeah, that's crazy. He saw something, yeah. So, um, another woman came up to them and said... She clearly saw five children drive by in a car huh. while the fire was blazing. So this was a neighbor. The biggest question is, if they had not been killed in the fire, who took them? But not in one of the family's cars. Not in one of the family's cars. Do we know if these parents might have been abusive? Is that terrible to say? No. So... This is cool. At a diner 50 miles west of Fayetteville, a waitress said that she served breakfast to the five children on Christmas morning. Oh, so the next morning? Yeah. Wow. But that's also like... Well, because obviously this went up in the paper Uh or, you know, word got out. And so she says, I saw... So this obviously got in the paper like in the next couple of weeks. Right. And this waitress came forward and was like, I served those kids breakfast on Christmas oh, morning. Oh, so it wasn't like the next day. No. She was like, no, she I called. seen them. Yeah, she called after seeing it in the paper and was like, I served those kids breakfast on Christmas morning, but she couldn't remember who the adults were that were with them or how many there were. So there were adults with yes. them, though? Yes. Okay. So as the word spread and photographs of the children were shown in the area... A woman said she saw four of the children, mm-hmm. not five, but four of them in the company of four adults at a hotel in South Carolina. Ooh, I don't like that. Right. So these, like, glimpses gave Jenny and George hope and caused them to pursue their own investigation and forensic experiments. So, like we said, Jenny burned... With said the she, bones. Yeah, with the bones. She burned chicken bones and, I guess, and not... Cat bones. Cat, neighbor cat bones. Neighbor cat bones. Whiskers. Whiskers. They did all these things, and armed with these facts, Jenny and George went back to the police and demanded another investigation. Mm-hmm. So the police refused this time. So they did the mini investigation. The coroner was like, yeah, this is what happened. Then they demanded right. a longer one. They didn't find anything. And then they went back with actual facts, mm-hmm. and they refused. Just flat out was yep. like, nope, sorry. They said the coroner said nothing, no crime had been committed. We're done here. Mm-hmm. So Jenny and George continued the rest of their lives alone to try and find the answers. Well, and their kids, the right. ones that survived, and their kids. Yeah, yeah. In conclusion, um, George and Jenny never gave up. They erected a huge billboard near the site of their former house. So they right. moved, um, but near the site of their former house, they erected a massive billboard that featured the photos of the five children. And they offered a $10,000 reward Mm -hmm. for the safe return of their children, whom they now thoroughly believed were alive and had been taken from the house. Right. And that the fire was deliberately set 
And they also had it printed on their garage where they yes. ended up, um, which is what we have posted on our Instagram right now. Yeah. Yep. So go take a sneaky peek at that. It's really sad. Yes. So time passes and Jenny and George and their surviving children still continue their search. And in 1968, so this is 23 years after the fire, mm-hmm. Jenny got an envelope in the mail. No. It had been mailed from a city in Kentucky, but there was no return address on it. Inside, so she got Kentucky from, like, the post postmark. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And inside was a photograph of a young man. And on the back it said, Louis Sodder, I love Brother Frankie. What? That's all it said. And, and it that was, was the only thing in the envelope? And it was a photograph of a young man, and it said on the back that it was Louis Sodder. And that's one of the kids. And that's one of the kids. And Jenny was like, that's my fucking baby. Oh, my God. And so the authorities thought it was a, just a horrible, cruel hoax. Ugh. But they were like, no. This that's... reminds me of Johnny Gosh. Yes. Yes. And they were like, she was like, no, that's my baby. This is 23 years later. Yeah. And they were like, no, that's my kid. Whoa. So once again, they were hopeful and they hired a private investigator to go to the city in Kentucky to track down the photo sen- photos sender mm-hmm. or the kid in the photo himself. The investigator left West Virginia and was never heard from again. Whoa. I know. This should be a movie. Change them. Maybe it is. Um, so that was the last piece of evidence to ever come into light. Damn. And George actually, um, he actually died the next year. Well, yeah. Jenny died 20 years later. Wow. Yeah. Um, and like they, I said, women outlive their husbands. They do. Um, so obviously they they died never believing that their kids were killed in the fire. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's lots of there's actually websites still to this day that are dedicated to this mystery and solving it. Um, well, so some of those kids would for sure still be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They were so young. obviously the unfortunate thing is years go by the chances of finding anything are very slim, but right. So this has never been solved. And the offer from their children and grandchildren actually still stands. Still stands. Oh man. I bet. Yep. It's a big mystery. People have claimed to seen them in Italy, all over the world. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy stuff. So that is the, the, uh, Sodder children mystery. Alright, so that was a great story. Thanks. Mine is a little more well-known, and it is the story of Lizzie Borden. That Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Which I learned is not accurate, because her father got about 10... And her stepmother, not her real mother, got about 19. Not only is it not accurate, but it's also horrifying that children were singing that. They still do. Yeah. I remember that. Well, isn't, um, what is it? Ring Around the Rosie? Isn't that also fucked up? Yeah, because pocket full of posy. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Dead. Dead. Well, posy is something that, like... I'm just making this up, but I feel like it was like 
something that was spread to make bodies not smell so bad? You're probably lying. During the pl- during the plague? Yeah. You're probably right. That's lie. Oh, yes. That's what I'm thinking <laughs> of. Lie. Or li- I'm thinking of limestone. I'm thinking of Gacy. Mm. Let's go back to Borden. Okay. So, Lizzie Borden, obviously, is best known for her arrest and trial and acquittal Christ. for the murder in 19, or 1892, for the axe murders of her father and stepmother, although they were not axe murders, which I've learned they were hatchet murders, which is like a small axe. It's like a tomahawk. It's like a tomahawk. <laughs> so, Lizzie Borden, a little history, was born July 19th, 1860 in Fall River, Massachusetts, to Sarah and Andrew Borden. Um, soon thereafter, her mother died when Mm -hmm. Lizzie was about two. So her father, Andrew, remarried about three years later to Abby Durfee Gray. (laughs) Durfee. Durfee Gray. Um, the family lived well, but well below their means. So it is said that Andrew Borden went from ditch digger to president of a bank. So okay. he like was real frugal, self-made man. Um, they didn't have running water when they could have. Um, what? Yeah, and they could have had at least like gas-powered lighting and appliances, and they didn't have that either. So he was loaded, but he's a tightwad. He was a tightwad. Okay, fair. Yeah. Um, wonderful fun fact about um, uh, Abby Durfee. <laughs> Uh, is that she insisted that Lizzie and her sister, Emma, called her Mrs. Borden. And not Mom. Not Mom. Not Abby. She had to be Mrs. Borden. Yeah, but that's... You know what? You, you've told me that before, but I never pieced together. Her mom died when she was only two. Yeah. And then he remarried three... So she was... Five and she had to call her Mrs. Borden? Yeah. What a bitch. I know. Yeah. That she was she was tough. Well, let's just say she uh It didn't end well. It didn't end well for Abby Durfee. Didn't okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, so their relationship was strained to say the least. Yikes. Okay, so the day of said murders, August fourth, eighteen ninety two. So a good while past Civil War times. <laughs> they were Civil War babies. They were Civil... Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is... Yeesh. I wonder why her dad wasn't fighting in said Civil War. He might have. Who knows? Uh, well. So, the morning of August 4th, 1892, the first person awake in the house that morning was Bridget Sullivan, the maid. Oh, and let me first just say that I'm getting this story... From PrairieGhosts.com. Oh, I've actually heard of that website before. Yeah, they have, like, the most in-depth story mm-hmm. about this situation. Bridget was a respectable Irish gal who Emma and Lizzie both rudely insisted on calling Maggie, which was the name of their last servant. How <laughs> rude. That is so so rude. Wait, what is that? That's like, um, it's The Devil good. Wears Prada. Yes! Oh my god. Yes. Are you the new Emily? Oh my god. Emily! Oh. oh my god. So basically, Lizzie Borden was... An asshole. And Meryl Streep. 
oh god, this just makes me hate her. Yeah, that's like that's, that's really that's like, <laughs> even that one tiny detail is like, oh, well, fuck supposed you. To show like how big of assholes they were. Right, but both of them were like, you can't sit with us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, at the time of the murders, Bridget was twenty six years old and had been in the Borden household since eighteen eighty nine, so she had been there for four years. She had come to America from Ireland in 1886. Uh, She did not stay in the house during the night following the murders, but she did come back on Friday to her third floor room on Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Okay, so Bridget, a.k.a. Maggie. (laughs) Maggie? Oh, Maggie. I thought you were going to say, which was actually the name of their cow. Like, something, like, really shitty. Something really mean. The name of their, like, their stare, like, feral dog. <laughs> but, I mean, their previous servant, that's pretty shitty. That sucks. Yeah, it's not good. You're not our real mom. <laughs> You're Which is also kind of fucked up, because they have obvious stepmom issues with this they one. They probably said that to their stepmom, too, because they're... No, because the stepmom made them call... Her Mrs. Borden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the worst. Maybe that's why they were doing that to Maggie. Yeah, they're they taking were... it out on... It's Bullies always have been bullied. Remember that, kids. Bridget came downstairs from her attic room around 6 a.m. to build a fire in the kitchen and began cooking breakfast. An hour later, um, Mr. and Mrs. Borden came down to eat and they lingered. At a quarter past nine, Andrew Borden left the house and went downtown to run some errands, presumably. Okay. Abby Borden went upstairs to make the bed in the guest room that a guest, John Morse, was staying in. Oh. Okay. So she asked Bridget to wash the windows. At 9.30, she came downstairs for a few moments, and then she went back up again, commenting that she needed fresh pillowcases. So was this place an air... I'm assuming it was probably... An Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) Like they booked it. (laughs) No, dude. They just had a guest in from out of town. It's a a and b now, yeah? I think so, yes. Yes. But it wasn't... No. (laughs) Oh, so I'm guessing it's listed on Airbnb? I heard it before you said it. Fuck you. Anyway. Anyway. So at 9.30, she came downstairs... (laughs) got the pillowcases, and went about her daily chores, and then started on the window washing. Um, She also paused for a few minutes to chat over the fence with the hired girl next door. Very home improvement moment. (laughs) Um, She finished the outside of the windows at about 10.30 and then started inside. Damn, girl, an hour for the windows. That's thorough. (laughs) That's thorough. Or she was either like smoking cigarettes and was like, fuck this. I'm taking my time. I'm not Maggie. I'm taking my time, Maggie. All right. 15 minutes later, Mr. Andrew Borden returned home from downtown. Bridget let him in and Lizzie came downstairs. She told her father that Mrs. Borden, a.k.a. the stepmother, has gone out. She got a note from someone who was sick and needed her attention. Um, Mr. Borden took the key to his bedroom off a shelf because it was always locked and went up the back stairs, and that was the only way to get to the Borden bedroom, the master bedroom. Why? I don't know. 
Um, the room could only be reached by these stairs as there was no hallway. And the front stairs only gave access to Lizzie's room from which Emma's could be reached. Okay. And then the guest room. Okay. So you had to go through Lizzie's room to get to either of the other bedrooms. Obviously, you had to whoever. Go through Lizzie's room? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Obviously, whoever built this house was not on Flip or Flop. Am I right? <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was obviously <laughs> on Crap. <laughs> that too, except I don't think Crap. What, what was the drug of the time? Angel dust? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like uh, opium. Opium? Yeah. They like smoked opium, opium but I think they just got real sleepy. They didn't get weird. Yeah. Well, somebody got weird when they built this house. Right. There were connecting doors between the Elder Borden's rooms and Lizzie's room, but they were usually kept locked. Okay, so Mr. Borden only stayed upstairs for a few minutes before coming back down and settling onto that sofa in the living room. You know the one. That sofa. That sofa the was actually pretty dope. It was a dope velvet tufted sofa that I would like murder someone for myself. <laughs> it was, it's actually really, it's, it's a, gorgeous. It's, pretty, right? it's gorgeous. Green? I think in, in my brain it's green. Me too. Why? But in his brain, that was all over that couch. <laughs> it's it's, it was probably more of a maroon or brown. Oh. Sorry. Sorry, Mom. Oh. Anyway. Uh, Lizzie began to heat up an iron to press some handkerchiefs, which I guess was one of her chores. Um, are you going out this afternoon, Maggie? She asked Bridget. I, just, I don't know why. It's so mean. Maggie. Maggie. <laughs> There's a cheap sale of dress goods at Sargent's this afternoon at eight cents a yard. So... That's like when you had to go buy your own fabric to make your dresses. Fuck that. Um, Bridget replied that she was not. The heat of the morning, remember it was August, combined with the window washing and her touch of a stomach ailment had left her feeling poorly and she went back upstairs to her attic room for a nap. She lived there, right? Yeah. Well, obviously, servant's quarter. She was in her attic room. I should I mean, pay attention. She went up for a nap, and this was a few minutes before 11. Maggie! <laughs> Come down! Lizzie shouted from the bottom of the back stairs, and Bridget's eyes fluttered open. She had drifted off into a restless sleep, but the urgency of Lizzie's cries startled her awake. What's the matter? <laughs> Bridget cried. She smoothed out her dress slipped in her shoes, and scurried out the doorway. <laughs> As her feet tapped down the staircase, she was horrified about what she heard next. Come down quick, Lizzie wailed. Father's dead! Somebody's come in and killed him! Alright, I should stop the voices. It's disrespectful. Absolutely not. Keep going. As Bridget hurried from the staircase, she found Lizzie standing at the back door. Her face was pale and taut. She stopped the young maid from going into the sitting room, saying, Don't go in there. Go and get the doctor. Run. Yeah, like the doctor's going to no. fix that fucking go, place. Go leave the house so I can take care of my bitch stepmom, <gasps> is what she meant to say. Oh, right? You're bad. You're bad. <laughs> this is bad. We're terrible people. I know. <laughs> 
whatever, man. Dr. Bowen, a family friend, lived across the street from the Bordens, and Bridget ran directly to the house. The doctor was out, but Bridget told Mrs. Bowen that Mr. Borden had been killed. She ran directly back to the house. Where were you when this happened? She asked Lizzie. I was out in the yard, and I heard a groan and came in. The screen door was wide open. I think you'd hear more than a fucking groan. I'm sorry. I know no, you're sleeping. You'd hear some wax right. as the tail entails. Also, right. like, why go get the doctor? Quick, go get the doctor. Yeah. Father's face is gone. Father's <laughs> The doctor comes in. He's, he's like, like, yeah. He's dead. He's dead. Christ. Like, uh, I was out in the yard. I heard a groan and came in. By now, the neighbors were starting to gather on the lawn, and someone had called the police. Maggie? That sounded very hocus-pocus. That was good. So the neighbor asked, where were you when it happened? And she said, I went to the barn to get a piece of iron. And then Mrs. Churchill asked, where is your mother? Stepmother. Stepmother, okay. Lizzie said that she didn't know and that Abby Borden, her stepmother, had received a note asking her to respond to someone who was sick. She also added, but I don't know that she has killed too, for I thought I heard her come in. Father must have an enemy, for we have all been sick and we think the milk may have been poisoned. So, little Lizzie's already putting some ideas in people's head. That there might have been a hit out on their family. But a little poison milk does not get your fucking head bashed in. Let's be real. Well, she's saying that somebody was, like, the same person who's poisoning their milk. Was the one who killed her father. She said, father must have had an enemy. We all drank spoiled milk. I think my stepmother's sick. Bitch, your dad didn't have energy or electricity. And remember the... (laughs) That's like right. You, you they, I don't know if they, if anyone had electricity at the time. Spoiled milk because it's warm. It's sitting in the sun. <laughs> I think they actually talk about that about having an ice box in this. So oh. I think they did have an ice box. Whatever. Um. By this time, Doctor Bowen had returned along with Bridget, Maggie. <laughs> Maggie. Okay, so at this point, Dr. Bowen had returned and examined the body and asked for a sheet to cover it, out of respect, I'm assuming. Borden had been attacked with a sharp object, probably an axe, which we learned was a hammer, and so much damage... No, hatchet. Hatchet, okay, I was like, shit, my mind is blown! No, you're right. Hatchet, hatchet, hatchet. Hatchet. I don't know how that's going to sound. Um, and so much damage had been done to his head and face that Bowen, a close friend, could not at first positively identify him. Yeah. Dude, if you guys get it, if you haven't already, which I feel like a lot of people already have. Seen those pictures first? Check that fly sofa. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a terrible, awful thing to say. But there is no head. There is no head on that man. But you know what else, Grace? You know what's a terrible, awful thing? That looks like a terrible, awful place to take a nap. He was just sitting on the sofa. Well, then that Am I is blacking a, out? No, am I having blackouts? Am I here? Where am I? My <laughs> point is, is Lizzie said, I heard a, what did you say? I heard a grunt. I heard a groan heard coming a, from inside I, while, while going out to the barn to get a piece of iron. For what, bitch? 
to get some spoiled milk? <laughs> no. We all had poisoned milk. No. Why are you fine then? That's right. Garbage. Okay, let me finish. Okay. <clears throat> Blood was still <laughs> seeping from the wounds that had been splashed onto the wall above the sofa oh. and the floor and on a picture hanging above the wall. It looked as though Borden had been attacked from above and behind as he slept. Oh, you're right. He did take a nap. Sorry. Sorry. Didn't mean to be such a dick about it. one detail that I can't remember. (laughs) Why is everyone taking so many goddamn naps? Like, aren't people busy? Well, they were all sick from the spoiled milk. No. People are lazy. She was window washing and Maggie got tired. I'm going to take a nap. Lizzie's going to take a nap. Everyone going to take a nap. Lizzie was taking a nap too? No, but she had... Oh. And... I don't, I'm, no, ass, I'm just, I literally just was about to say yes. yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, several minutes passed before anyone even thought of going upstairs to see if Abby Borden had come home. Maggie! <laughs> I am almost positive I heard her come in, Lizzie said. Go upstairs and see. Oh, shit, so she made this poor girl go up there. She made her do it twice. Bridget, she made her come see the dad, and now she's going to make her go find Abby. Lizzie's fucked in the head. Bridget refused to go upstairs by herself, so the neighbor, Mrs. Churchill, went with her. They went up the staircase together, but Mrs. Churchill was the first to see Abby lying... Abby Darfy. Darfy. Uh, lying on the floor of the guest room. She had fallen in a pool of blood, and Mrs. Churchill later said that she only looked like the form of a person. Mm. Her, um... Her, photo her is picture is the worst. Down. It's like she's face down, butt up. That's how my kid sleeps. Okay, so Bridget saw Mrs. Borden's body. Mrs. Churchill rushed by her, viewed the obviously dead body, and then rushed downstairs. Is there another? A neighbor asked. Yes, the woman replied. So now everybody's up in there. Oliver. Everyone. <laughs> thank you, sir. Is there another? No, everyone, I guess, in the town is just like sitting in their living room, waiting around to see if there's more dead bodies in the house. Is there another one? Is there another one? Send in the doctor to tell me if this one's dead. Is this one dead too? Oh my god, talk about ambulance chasers, Christ. Dr. Bowen had found that Mrs. Borden had been struck more than a dozen times from the back. The autopsy later revealed that there had been 19 blows to her head, so not 20, my B. Probably from the same hatchet that had killed Mr. Borden. The the blood on Mrs. Borden's body was dark and congealed, leading him to believe that that she had been killed before her husband. So remember when Lizzie was like, oh no, she went out, like she got her note to go see a sick friend. Yeah. She had already been dead upstairs. And then Bridget, Bridget went out to clean the windows and Lizzie did it then. So, okay. Because I was going to say Bridget was taking a nap, so she would hurt it, but she was out. No, she was out cleaning the windows, and then she was asleep probably before then. So did uh, old Darfy, did she even go and see anybody? No, she she didn't leave the house, I don't think. Mm, Okay. Dr. Bowen was heavily heavily involved with the activities of the Borden house on the day of the murder. 
He was the first to examine the bodies, sent a telegram to Emma to summon her to come home because she was out of town. Oh, that's right. The sister. Um, Assisted Dr. Dolan um, with the autopsies and even prescribed a calming tranquilizer for Lizzie. Oh, he gave the girl a Xanax. How nice. No, although in 1890, it was probably straight up heroin. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. (laughs) So during the 30 minutes or so that no one uh, was on the scene... (coughs) A county medical examiner named Dolan passed by the house by chance. Are you Dude. fucking kidding me? No, this is awful. This is like, ugh, the one medical examiner in fucking Fall River, Massachusetts. Like, yeah. Just happened to be, be woo, swinging his keys. <laughs> boop, 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 walking by. Maybe there's a major murder here. Oh, hey, 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 uh, hi, what's happening? Garbage. Uh, Dolan examined the bodies as well, and after hearing that the family had been sick and that the milk was suspected, he took samples of it. And he realized that it was the milk that, that made that. everyone's <laughs> head explode. <laughs> Christ Almighty! Uh, oh, <laughs> I forgot to mention he looked in the window and was pressed into service by Doctor Bowen. Okay, so later that afternoon, he had um, Dude, the, the bodies. Whole town was in on this. Later that afternoon, he had the bodies photographed, and then he removed the stomachs and sent them along oh with the milk to the Harvard Medical School for analysis, and no poison was ever found. Okay. So that girl Lizzie killed those people. What? Well, well, we all know that she killed them. Right. I don't believe in the conspiracy of the doctor, whatever. Right. There, It just makes sense, the timeline. But she was never convicted. <sighs> no, that's right. Yeah. She was never convicted um, because it was all circumstantial evidence. They didn't fingerprint. They didn't do any of that. We just looked up um, what's staying in the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast, which is what they turned it into. That's, honestly, that's messed up. Oh, of course it's messed up. Um, we just <laughs> looked at the availability, and there is one room available on Halloween, and it's the John Morse room, the the guest room. So that's the only yeah. one available for the whole month of October, and it is $330 for, for the night. Jackson's. Oh, my God. That is crazy. All right, so fans of the Unsolved Mystery can spend a night at one of the most notorious and spookiest crime scenes in the country, the now known as Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast Museum in Fall River, which is about an hour south of Boston. Um, Leanne Wilbur is a proprietor of the B&B, said it's not unusual for guests to run out of the inn in fright. Wilbur herself has said she has not encountered any full-on ghosts, full-on, <laughs> but has experienced some strange happenings in the house during the nine years she has owned it. She'll occasionally hear a floor creak above her when there's no one upstairs. That's an Sounds old like house. Sounds like pipes, yeah. yeah. My apartment was built in 1890, and we hear shit all the time. Yeah. Um... 
Uh, or notice doors opening and closing. That's well, different. That's <laughs> <laughs> She's also spelled a faint floral scent from time to time, but it doesn't unnerve her. Hmm. They say scents. They say are like the biggest thing, yeah, olfactory but thing. Isn't it like uh, as long as it's not like rotting? Right. If it's roses, well, I'm Catholic. They say roses are the are a sign of. The Ma- of Virgin Mary. Really? Uh-huh. Oh. Or of, like, a, a female saint. That actually could be kind of comforting. Totally. Absolutely. That's, um, some people that... That's my, that's my own creaking opening door. Um. <clears throat> sometimes I think guests come in already worked up about it, and it could be something as simple as a light bulb burning out, and their mind spins out into overdrive, and some guests just scare themselves out of here. Yeah. So, basically, what this woman, the owner of the Lizzie Borden house, is saying is, y'all pussies. Yeah. Y'all are bitches. But it's kind of like the thing of, like, when you go to a haunted house. It's only as scary as you make yep. it. Yep. Totally. Totally. You could have a blast, or you could be, you know. And we, we just went to Statesville Prison... Um, this past weekend, shout out to Chops, Chops a Clown! Chops a Clown! Our man, um, we had a great time, but you have to be vulnerable to be afraid. Like, right. if you go in acting like a boss, it's not gonna be fun. And if yeah. you go in with a rational explanation, like, yes, we believe in the paranormal, but I also believe that you have to s- have a certain, like, open-mindedness to be able to experience it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's all I have for my Lizzie Borden right. story. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you're having a very spooky October. I know yeah. we are. Ellie and I have probably crushed maybe 15 horror movies in the last week I'd or say so. Minimum. Minimum. Um we watched The Sixth Sense the other day. Yeah. Still holds up. It does it does. It and does. what you guys need to need to watch. It's you on know. Netflix is The Babysitter. Okay. I'm it's so good. We it's, started it together and Grace was like I fell I don't asleep. Know the, it, to be fair, I thought the same thing. I was like this doesn't it's I was like this looks stupid. Yeah. But I went back and watched it After in, in the clear light of day, and it is so really? good. It is the perfect teenage, like, is it horror slasher. Yeah, cool. it's so gory and good Speaking and hilarious. Of, uh, shitty horror slashers. I just saw Happy Death Day. Oh, no! Was and it so good? It was, okay, so I'm not going to lie. I thought it was, it was fun. Okay. It was fun, but it was also my, you know, our rule of thumb. Yeah. Don't ever see a horror movie unless it's rated R. Right. Was and it PG-13? It was PG-13. No. I got, we, we fucking got to the theater and I looked at it and I was like, we can't go in. It's PG-13. It's PG-13. Why would you even waste your money? I don't know. And it was oh. $40. Um, Were there some scary moments? Jump scares. Yeah. Jump well, scares. Well, it's a slasher. It was, um... It was also, like, it was a comedy as well. And right, the, which is like the babysitter. Yeah, and but it was good. It was like, it wasn't, like, would I recommend you guys to go spend your money and see it? Probably not. All right, yeah. I would give it two out of five screams. Garbage. Yeah. I give the babysitter three and a half out of five screams. Okay. 
Cool. Well, what? Well, really quickly, well, just to kind of gauge, what would you give five screams to? Five screams, I would give to uh, Insidious. Okay. For I sure. loved Insidious, um, and Insidious Two, the second one. What about like? Which um, is what that means. I'd give five screams to Sinister. Sinister. That was the uh, that was the second one I was yeah. gonna say. My twin brother and I went and saw Sinister in theaters, and I made him walk me all the way home to it my apartment. It fucked me up. It is and not so a lot messed really, up. Really messes me up like psychologically like that. And, and it really Ethan, huh? <sighs> all right, guys. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ghoul Gang Podcast, and we just made a Facebook page. At the Ghoul Gang, um, be sure to like us and send us your favorite, most scary personal ghost stories. We're hoping to put together an episode, maybe not in time for Halloween since it's next week, but email us at ghoulgangpodcast at gmail.com with your ghost stories. We would love to feature them on the podcast. And we'll give you all a shout out. Put your Instagram in there. There it is. And if you feel like doing us a favor, check us out on iTunes and give us a uh, rate us, give us a review, let us know what we can do. We would love to hear from you and see what, how we can make this the best. You yeah. know. All right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, creep it real, and thanks for joining the Ghoul Gang. We'll see you next time. Bye.